Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast, where my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts helping support our vision of leaders powered for good. If that's your mission too, I know you'll be inspired by what you hear. I'll be back at the end to share what I've learned. Enjoy this episode of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Dr. Taryn Marie Stasekel, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. How are you doing today? I am wonderful. How are you doing? Well, fantastic. It's so good to have you here. I love these sort of upbeat topics. Yeah, your your book, The Five Practices of Highly Resilient People, Why Some Flourish When Others Fold. Why why the energy into this topic? Was this something, the resiliency, was this something that came naturally to you? Was something you wanted to seek out? Why'd you seek this out? That's such a great, that's such a great question. So I would say for us as humans, there are elements of our lives that are incredibly unique. And there are also elements of our lives that are deeply universal. And one of the universals that exists for all of us as humans is facing what I call challenge, change, and complexity. And I know you all at Blanchard deal with these notions of challenge, change, and complexity inside of organizations to a tremendous degree. And growing up before I was ever a management consultant or working in corporate, I was really interested in how we as people effectively face challenge, basically. And so through my own experience, like all of us, a universal that we all share, I faced my own challenges, my own changes, my own complexities. And those really drove me to understand, is there a way that we most effectively face challenge? And are there commonalities amongst all of that, uh, amongst all of us in a way that we face challenge that will allow us to create a more positive and productive outcome? And so this is really, Chad, this is really resilience. This is how do we effectively face challenge? And so that started for me at a young age. And just to give you a, a personal story, um, to sort of introduce myself to all of to all of our listeners today. In first and second grade, I was in the lowest reading group. And by third grade, I was really fed up with being in the lowest reading group. Like so many of us, I saw more for myself, and yet I wasn't really sure how to get there. And so I declared to my teacher that first semester of third grade that I was going to be in the highest reading group by the end of that semester, by the end of the year. And you know, I'll tell you, I, I pretended not to see that skeptical look on her face. Like, here's this girl. She's been in the lowest reading group for first and second grade. And what I did is every day at school, I I wrote down, I copied down what were the words that I could not spell or read. And every night I went home and I sat in my bedroom at my desk by myself and I practiced those words. And I basically taught or memorized you know, how to read and how to spell so that by the end of that semester, I ascended not one, but two reading groups to being in the highest reading group, just as I had promised my teacher and more importantly, myself. 
Well, fast forward, uh, I was about eight years old at the time, fast forward about 30 years. And at the age of 37, I finally understand why reading and spelling and some other things were so hard for me. I was diagnosed with both dyslexia and ADHD. And I went through all of my formal education, you know, middle school, high school, college, got an advanced degree, not knowing that I had two profound learning disabilities. And these things made it significantly harder than the average person to learn. And so one of the reasons that I do this work, the five practices of highly resilient people, is because first and foremost, we're all going to face challenges. They might be different challenges. We're all going to face challenges. That is not unique. That's a universal that exists amongst us as humans. And then I got to thinking, wouldn't it be great if we could get some help with those challenges? Wouldn't it be great if I didn't have to sit alone in my bedroom and teach myself to read, but if we knew how to get the help that we needed, if we knew how to more effectively face those moments of challenge when they inevitably show up in our lives. So that's just one of my resilient stories. And really one of the reasons that I've become so interested in how we effectively face challenge and ensuring that we have a roadmap for those difficult moments and that no one has to face challenge alone. Such a great example. And it's it's a also a fabulous kind of origin story for you. Uh, we like our lists. We love our stories here on the Leader Chat Podcast. Um, I loved how you also, when you started within the book, you started talking about the five myths and the truths of resilient people. And, and it was interesting for me. So you kind of challenged some of my beliefs about, uh, and, and you backed it up. So like the first one is resilience is not about bouncing back. Tell me what you meant, meant by that. And what is the truth there? Mm, thank you for that. Thank you for that question. You know, one of the things I wanted to do in this book, the five practices of highly resilient people, is I did want to challenge based on my two decades of research, interviewing hundreds of people and collecting thousands of pieces of data. I did want to challenge some of the conventional wisdom that we think is true around resilience. And so many people out there are teaching that resilience is bouncing back. And I'm teaching that resilience is about bouncing forward. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you just think about yourself, Chad, or I think about myself, or for those of you that are listening today, you think about yourself, you think about a time when you faced a challenge. Did you go back to the way that you were before that challenge occurred? And the answer for everyone that I've spoken to, you know, over these two decades is absolutely not. Absolutely not. We are fundamentally and forever changed by every experience that we have. And, you know, given that we're really talking about sort of the application of, of organizational setting to organizational settings, to, to leadership development, to how we think about resilience around leadership capabilities and change agility, like a lot of us have read articles on neuroplasticity. And if we've read even one article on neuroplasticity, what we know is that the neurons, the cells in our brain are always rewiring, regrouping, regenerating to basically uh, represent our external experience. And so if Every experience that we have, this conversation for us, Chad, for, for those of you listening today, everything that we experience 
changes us down to the neurological level, down to the cellular level, why would we ever expect that when we experience something as as powerful and meaningful as a significant challenge in our lives, that we would bounce back, that we would go back to the way that we were. So the first conventional myth that I get to challenge, that we get to challenge here today, is that rather than bouncing back and returning to a prior state, resilience is in fact bouncing forward. It's allowing ourselves to be fundamentally and forever changed by that challenge, typically in really wonderful ways. We um, better know our strengths and our capabilities. We have more wisdom, more empathy, and we get to bounce forward into that next enhanced version of ourselves. What's another one of the myths that may have surprised you, but 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 definitely surprised others as you brought this research out? Mm, yeah. I think another myth that our our culture supports, especially you know our, our Western culture here in North America, is oftentimes we've talked about resilience and facing challenge as being passive. And what I mean by that is just think of a, a sort of a commonly used phrase in the English language, which is time heals all wounds. So what are we telling people? We're telling people that we don't really have to do anything. We just passively wait for time to go on by and then things are going to get better. And I think while there's an an element of truth there, right? That time can can soften things. It's more akin to what Andy Warhol said, which is time changes things and you have to change them yourself. So another, you know, conventional myth that we've accepted about resilience and and how we effectively face challenge that's categorically untrue is that resilience or facing challenge is passive. And in fact, really effectively facing challenge is a very active, engaging process. One of the other myths you talk about is is it hits home for me because I have gotten pretty good feedback from my my internal teams about my optimism and my outlook forward. And I will also share with you one of my absolute biggest pet peeves is what we call toxic positivity. Um, and I always I I never feel like I'm in and then in that camp, but it you you share that there is some value to being optimistic when it comes to resiliency, but it takes a little bit more than that, right? That's right. I do share that. Would you like me to say more about that? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about optimism and its role with resilience. Yeah. So let let me give an example that I think a lot of our listeners will be able to, to relate to. So I was meeting with one of my executive coaching clients and, you know, of course, resilience and the five practices and how we effectively face challenge and demonstrate resilience is at the forefront of all of the executive coaching that I do. And so he and his team had experienced, you know, a pretty epic failure in terms of a product that they were in the process of launching. And so in the context of our executive coaching session, he wanted to know and sort of workshop how he was going to address the team about this this failure and and their next steps. And so he came to me and he said, well, he said, you know, I don't want people to feel bad. I don't want people to feel demoralized. So I'm going to go in there and, and talk about, you know, what's next on the horizon and how excited I am for the future. And, you know, I want to talk about 
you know, maybe some of the the elements of of what we learned and where we're headed as a company. And I said, look, I said, I said, that's all, that's all well and good, right? But if you don't address what happened, if you don't address the reality of, you know, and we don't even have to call it a failure. If we, if we don't address the reality of what has occurred and, and the chasm that exists between the results that you, you and your team said you were going to generate and what actually occurred, what we're really doing is, is covering over and not attending to the, to your experience, to the experience of the team, to what this means for the organization and really what, you know, he and his team could learn from this and how they could put those learnings, you know, into action. And so, so often as leaders, I think we want to make people feel good and we want to rally the troops. And yet, if we don't attend to the reality of the situation, then we're really doing ourselves, our teams, our people, and our organization a disservice. And one of the things that I touch on in my book, which is also a part of Good to Great, and I know you and many of our our listeners have read this book by Jim Collins, you know, in there, Jim Collins famously talks about the Stockdale paradox. He talks about interviewing Admiral Stockdale after he was a prisoner of war in the in the Vietnam War, where John McCain was also held. And, you know, so Jim Collins says, I'll I'll sort of paraphrase this, Jim Collins says to Admiral Stockdale, he's like, so, you know, who are the people that in this, you know, ambiguous moment of being a prisoner of war, who are the people that did not do well in this moment? And, And Admiral Stockdale sort of says, well, that's easy. It was the optimists. And Jim Collins is like, uh, excuse me, it was the optimists who didn't do well. Like that's really counter to what you might think, Chad, what I might think. And, you know, they go on to talk about what has now become the Stockdale paradox, which is that, you know, and our brain, of course, does, doesn't like paradox. It doesn't like holding two things in our mind that are opposing and also simultaneously true. And so, you know, it's this idea of getting to confront, in the words of Admiral Stockdale, our, the brutal reality of today. And if we don't confront the brutal reality of today, whether that's a, a failed product launch or a misstep in leadership or falling short of our, our earnings projections, you know, we are doing ourselves and others a, a disservice by not uh, acknowledging the truth of our reality today. And we get to balance that with always in Stockdale's words, again, you know, not just getting bogged down with the, you know, brutal reality of today, but to also not lose hope, not lose sight of the brilliant and imagined future ahead. And so I think one of the things that we get to do to demonstrate true resilience is not just toxic positivity to borrow, you know, your words or blind optimism, but to do something that's really uncomfortable, which is to acknowledge the paradox of the brutal reality of what exists for us today, and also the hope and imagery of our imagined future. So let's let's roll up our sleeves a little bit and let's take some of your ideas and put them into action. So it's the five practices of highly resilient people. How does somebody get started? How does somebody who wants to be more resilient um, show up differently in the world? How would you point them in the right direction to get started? 
Mm, yeah, thanks. For, thanks for that question. So another way that uh, my work in this area over the course of the past 20 years has really challenged conventional wisdom before we even get into the five practices is the idea that resilience is the essence of being human. And what that means, Chad, is that we get to stop looking for resilience as a skill set that exists outside of ourselves and to start looking inside of ourselves for our resilience. One of the most exciting things about my understanding that resilience exists inside of us, that it's the essence of being human, is that so often people come to the table of this conversation around resilience and they're deeply afraid that they're going to be found lacking, that they're going to be uh, falling short, or maybe, you know, they're going to find out that they're not resilient. And so this puts people into what I call like a resilience dread spiral, where it's like, okay, resilience sounds good to talk about, but I'm afraid I'm going to somehow, uh, you know, be a resilience imposter and that I'm going to be exposed. And so when we go to this place of like resilience is the essence of being human, then we can all first and foremost relax because it's inextricably tied to what it means to be human. The second piece of that is we get to start looking inside of ourselves for resilience. It's not about whether or not you're born with resilience or you develop resilience, you know, we're all born. And resilience lit exists inside of us. And so it's about in these moments of challenge, the way that we dig deep inside of ourselves and we find uh, we uncover, we're reminded of our our strengths, our abilities, our capabilities, our talents that then show up in this moment of challenge. So the first thing I'd say for anyone who says, I want to like develop my resilience and, and get better at this thing, I would say, great, we get to look inside of you and the natural capabilities that you already have. The second thing that I would say is, uh, let's talk about challenge change and complexity for a moment. I call this the big three C's. Uh, so often we feel like as, as people, as humans, that anytime challenge shows up in our path, that like somehow we've done something wrong. You know, we often, especially I think in the, in the corporate world and organizational settings, we think, oh, I should have seen this coming. I, I should have been more strategic. I should have been more planful. I should have been able to like survey my environment and, and seen this disruption or this or this volatility. And so often we feel bad for these things showing up in our lives. We think we're personally responsible or accountable. And in fact, we get to shift that script as well. And we get to say challenge, change, and complexity, or the big three C's, these are inevitable parts of what it means to be a human, to be uh, a manager, an individual contributor, a leader, a member of a team. And, and therefore, we should expect that we're going to face these things at some point, at many points uh, in, in our personal and professional life. So I think for anyone who wants to get started, those are really two important foundational shifts to think about resilience as being the essence of being human, as being tied to something that exists within us. We're no longer in lack. And that we get to expect that we're going to face challenge, change, and complexity. It's not if, it's when. And then from there, we can further hone the resilience that already exists within us by essentially 
being able to dive into the five practices and to use that as a blueprint to enhance each of our resilience. For those that have uh, been longtime listeners of the Leader Chat podcast, they always appreciate um, all the little nuggets that they can take away. So if you could give our listeners just one thing that you want them to focus on, one thing that you want them to take away from our conversation today, what would that be? Mm, That is such a great question. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of great nuggets that we've touched on. And so let me give our leaders this one. This comes up a lot in my executive coaching work. A lot of my leaders come to me and they're like, I'm behind, I'm failing, I'm letting people down. And I'm like, okay, well, who who is telling you this? Who are you hearing this from? Was this part of your like performance review? Did you hear this from your manager? No, this is what I'm, this is what I'm telling myself. This is, this is how I feel. And so I think for so many of us, it's so easy to feel bad about ourselves, to feel like we're behind, to feel like we're not enough, to feel like we're not doing enough, to feel like everybody else has it figured out and and we don't. And so in those moments, right, if if you felt like this, Chad, if, if our listeners have felt like this, are feeling like this, what I like to do is I like to talk to people about this idea that we are all, you are all, both a masterpiece and a work in progress. And what that means is the masterpiece part is that we are all perfect in this moment, just as we are. Nobody's in lack, nobody's in scarcity, nobody's not enough. We're all doing the very best we can. And we are a masterpiece, like a masterpiece, you know, work of art. We're all a, we're all a Mona Lisa, if you will. And We are all simultaneously, paradoxically, works in progress, which Mm -hmm. means we're going to get better. We're going to grow. We're going to continue to learn and evolve and change and develop. And that's so exciting. And so what I'd love to leave our listeners with is this idea that if you're in a moment of feeling just like you can't keep up and you're not enough and everybody else seems to have it figured out, uh, remember that we are all works in progress, just perfect in this moment as we are, or sorry, we're all masterpieces, just perfect in this moment as we are, and we're all works in progress. Dr. Taryn Marie Stasekel, thank you so much for your time today. If our listeners want to dig a little bit deeper into you, learn more about your work, where would you send them? Ah, yeah. Well, you know what? I would love, I would love to hear from all of you who stopped by to listen to this podcast. And so I'd love for you to just take a look at our website, uh, jog on over to uh resilience with a C uh dash leadership.com. You can find out more about our work there. And if you wanted to connect with me directly on LinkedIn, I would love to have you reach out. Um, There's a place to communicate with me and my team on the website uh, and on LinkedIn and either place, uh, whatever is easiest for you as a listener. I'd love to hear your impressions from this podcast today. Thank you so much for your time. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for joining us on the Leader Chat Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and a delight to be here. 
And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed the interview, go ahead and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and please share it with your friends. The best way you can help us grow is feedback. So write a review if you haven't already. This podcast is brought to you by Blanchard, the heart of human achievement. Visit Blanchard.com for additional resources to help you and your organization succeed. Now it's my pleasure to turn today's podcast over to Ken Blanchard for his final thoughts. Thanks, Chad, for interviewing Tarja Maria on her book, Five Practices of Highly Resilient People, because uh, it's important to understand resilience because we all face challenges. And it's not, as she says, about bouncing back, but it's about bouncing forward. Uh, You know, she says the time doesn't heal all wounds. Time changes things and you have to change them yourself. So it's really about taking charge, not looking back, looking forward, realizing that as the challenges come, you have to do something about them. We are all a masterpiece, as she says, as well as a work in progress. So to face challenges, you have to look inside and charge on, go for it, and recognize that life is a very special occasion, but it's not always easy. So listen to this tape. Read her book. I think it'll really help you. Take care. Take care.